1: Sometimes. And sometimes, normal.
0: On this episode, I'm joined by Eric Spinner, Bigfoot researcher and host of Squatch Talks Podcast. In past episodes, I've downplayed my belief that Bigfoot could live in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. I live in this area and drive around them constantly. It seems too busy of an area to have an 8 to 10 foot bipedal creature walking around going unnoticed. One day, scrolling through social media, I saw an article about Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens, and the article mentioned Eric. A little further digging, and I find out that Eric lives in my town and owns a health food store that I drive past almost daily. Let me tell you, By the end of this episode, I'm a believer. Eric has all the stories. He saw Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens. He's found tracks and even had one growl close enough that it echoed in his ears. Eric takes his research seriously and goes into the Pine Barrens and surrounding states to search for this elusive cryptid. He has taken a picture of Bigfoot, but of course it was blurry. Insert Mitch Hedberg joke here. He had one reach over his tent in the early morning hours and he has collected hair samples, rocks, and other evidence to prove our evolutionary brother from another mother. Listen in as we cover all of this and more. Give Eric a follow, check out his pod, and let him know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients, while other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD. Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchased a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And tonight, my guest is Eric Spinner. He is the owner of Health Haven 2 in Medford, as well as a Bigfoot researcher. Welcome, Eric. Hey,
1: thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much.
1: By day, by day, I'm a health food store guy and a vitamin guy. And by night, I'm a Bigfoot researcher.
0: I'm glad you gave me the pause there because I was about to dive in head first in the deep end. But let's, let's work our way down from the shallow end. In All right. Health Haven too. What's happening over there?
1: Well, Independent Retail Health Food Store, been here in Medford 31 years. I'm a certified nutritional consultant and shiatsu practitioner. So we're helping to keep the community well and uh, do our best to get through these difficult times.
0: That's awesome, man. So 31 years in the same spot?
1: Uh 14 years here, 18 years on Main Street in Medford Village. Okay, awesome, man. Good. You have you have a silky
0: smooth nighttime
1: radio dj voice and a face for radio <laughs> no i'm kidding i i have done a little bit of radio in the past and uh, i was the vitamin guy for cbs 3 eyewitness news uh, and you may recall me from such episodes as finding bigfoot on animal planet and a uh, quick uh a quick little plug on history channels the unexplained with w- william shatner Um, but yeah, I uh,
0: you call him uh, Bill, that's that's different. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get hooked up with those guys?
1: Oh, just they contacted me actually, again, just like you had done, you know, by going online and, and clicking in Bigfoot. And Dr. Google came up with Eric Spinner. You know, I don't keep it a secret, and that way, like I was telling you, if somebody has an encounter out in the Pine Barrens, they know where to come. It's a passion of mine that I've turned into something that. After all these years, I actually get paid to take people out into the forest and teach them how to go about doing this type of research.
0: Uh, this is the exciting stuff. I'm ready. So I grew up, you know, Camden County area for most of my life and now in Burlington County. And, you know, now at the footstep of the Pine Barrens right here. And it never really crossed my mind that Bigfoot was in the Pine Barrens or that there were sightings or, you know, alleged sightings, however you want to put it. And then yeah, one no. day, you know, my son's into this. He's He's in fourth grade. So you know, like this is like I feel like when my stuff started kicking in a little bit, some UFOs and things like that. He's interested in, you know, the the obscure, the the different. And I was like, Hey, you know, there's a ton of woods here. Like what, what's happening? So I Googled and that, that's how I came across your name. And I, I was just shocked that I don't I feel it's like a little secret here for the Pine Barons. You know, you have the Jersey Devil. There's no recent sightings that I'm aware of. And now now you you have Bigfoot.
1: Oh, yeah. Same you- same thing for me, actually. In about 2006, I jumped onto the BFRO's website and I saw that there were sightings in New Jersey. And I said, huh, New Jersey? Who would have thunk, right? So I started researching on their website. And then I was on the blue board they had at the time. It was a discussion board. I started talking with other researchers in the area and also you know, across the country, Canada. And we started exchanging, you know, finds and what we were coming across and it just grew from there and in 2008 i attended my first official bfro expedition in northwest pa and uh, that's really when i got the bigfoot bug bfro bigfoot research bigfoot field researchers organization it's the world's largest uh, organization conducting scientific research into the existence of these individuals awesome and uh, we're we're a no kill you know organization Matt Moneymaker is the founder, and uh, he started it back in 1995. I became an investigator in 2009 and an organizer in 2014. And the difference is an organizer actually does take people out on expeditions. So
0: I'm excited fun. for this. I'm excited for this conversation. So <laughs> I've been doing this for several months now. And Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, that, that was like my childhood that was my childhood of things that I like the weird that I liked, and you had nobody to talk to. If you like, if your friend didn't, you know, give you, like the secret handshake that you liked Bigfoot, like Bigfoot, you really didn't bring it up. It was kind of like a really weird thing. But now the internet and social media and all these things, like you can really connect with people, and you find out everybody's kind of a little bit weird, and it's nice.
1: Like totally. Oh, and behind me, I have a poster from the movie that started it for me back in the seventies. My dad took me to the theater, and we saw Sasquatch: The Legend of Bigfoot. And here I am on Long Island, New York, and I couldn't sleep for a month thinking that a big hairy arm is going to come through the window and grab me. And I found out later there's no Bigfoot on Long Island, but New York State has its share. I'll tell you that much.
0: <laughs> so this is what I'm going to get into. For the last few months, I have been, I'll be, you know, hey, we're, we're here for full honesty, full transparency. I have been poo-pooing Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens. And for the last couple of years, I've gone up to the finger lakes with my wife. And so if we start getting into people are like, hey, what, what what cryptids do you like? I'm like, I love Bigfoot. And I'm like, oh, apparently there's sightings in the pine barrens. But I think of Route 206 that goes right up. And that, you know, like mm-hmm. Medford Lakes is like, oh, you know, the, the town in the in the pines and all that. But that's like not true pine barrens. Even though there are some black bear sightings right there on Jackson, which are pretty interesting on their own. Oh, and, and I, I have a good story for the Piccoloyan in a minute. Okay. But two oh six. You know, now you're in the Pine Barrens, and you cut up to McGuire. But there's a bunch of towns. There's a bunch of stores on 206. You start getting out to the shore and like Route 9 and these things. So in my mind, I have it like you know, Route 9 kind of runs the one way. You you have the Parkway runs up. You have Route 9. You have 206 going up. There's not a lot of room for Bigfoot. But then I brought up, you know, previously, I, I've, I've since then I have turned the corner a little bit. Then I brought up, hey, if you hit upstate northeast Pennsylvania, let in Pennsylvania as a whole. But, you know, going up to the Finger Lakes, Northeast Pennsylvania into upstate New York, like there are just straight mountains going up. Now, for there to be a eight to ten foot Bigfoot walking around in southern central New Jersey, sometimes I find that hard to believe. Like, where are you going? Like, where are you hiding? How come people didn't find this? We used to go off-roading all the time in Wharton State Forest, never saw anything. I'm I'm sure Bigfoot loved the sound of the Jeep coming down, ripping through, guys listening to music and laughing and, and having a good time but upstate new york and pennsylvania it's just straight mountains up people's backyards like they should have goats living up there this is just inhabitable terrain to that i find that more likely that there could be a sasquatch or something like that
1: i understand and i hear that all the time from people but you know these are very intelligent i think i say highly intelligent creatures i uh, i feel that they're an ancient relic hominid actually probably came across the bering straits around the same time that early humans did and kind of existed alongside of, you know, early Native American peoples and, uh, observed how things were done. And, and when, you know, early English and Dutch colonists came over, you know, they saw how that maybe they, uh, interacted with the, uh, the local population and they decided that they didn't want to have anything to do with them, you know, and they avoided the big fire sticks, as I call, you know, our guns, but they have learned to become, you know, very, uh, Isolated, and we call them, the, of course, the the world champion hide and seek world champion. I think is the uh, cliche <laughs> yep. we see in a lot of t shirts now.
0: <laughs> they're but, still yeah, waiting they're, to be found. Yeah, yeah. but the Native they're Americans respected
1: the Native yeah. Americans
0: respected nature. They weren't cutting down. They weren't building. You know things like this that you know they would camping uh, from sure. you know what she's telling us camping clearings. Then the settlers came over. You know clear burn build things like that not really conducive to a healthy relationship to, you know, animals in the wilderness. That's when they get the seven
1: seven generation thing that the Native Americans hold to, you know, that they don't do any harm to the land that will affect, I guess, seven generations down or whatever. But each tribe, this is the interesting thing, each tribe in America has a name for a hairy wild man, you know. And that to me in itself is a pretty good testament that these individuals are out there, you know. And I hear all the different questions and objections, and you know, where are the bones? Why doesn't Why doesn't anybody have a good picture or a video? You know, everybody's got cell phones nowadays. You know, you hear all kinds of things. But I'll let you uh, get into that.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, last week was, I mean, what was I? The 50th anniversary of 56th. the famous 56th anniversary of mm-hmm. the the famous video.
1: Who shot that? Roger Patterson.
0: The Patterson yeah. video, you see a Bigfoot in, this is upstate California, right? Yep. Northern California. Yep. In Bluff and Creek,
1: you- California, October 20th, 1967. He was with uh, Bob Gimlin um, doing a, re- you know, they wanna, wanted to do a documentary on Bigfoot and they had gone up to where some tracks had been located, you know, prior. And uh, yeah, they just had the good fortune to be on horseback and uh, came across this female Sasquatch down by the creek and- it, his horse reared up. He fell off the horse, grabbed his camera, and he managed to get about a minute and a half of uh, footage before she walked off into the forest.
0: So, typically, for now, currently, if a video pops up, I don't believe anything. Uh, like CGI is too good, and all of this stuff. So, they've done four K renderings. You know, scanned the video into four K, and I yeah. feel it's only gotten better. You know, the evidence oh. for for that being Bigfoot itself, and it's unnatural you know, man homited human movements as its body turns is unnatural for a human. So just things I don't think you would think of, it would would take a lot of planning in advance. And then like, Hey, what would happen here? And then, and then doing this. And you see a lot of things that, that this Bigfoot is doing as it's moving the way it's walk, it's gait, it's very unnatural. It'd be, it'd be hard to, to do for a human to duplicate. I think let alone even think in
1: advance, like, Hey, we want to do this. I don't think Roger really and you know had the forethought to plan ahead to have a female individual you know walking along the the creek that day plus even you know hollywood costume designers have said back then they didn't have the ability to make the uh, the flexation of the muscles and everything you can see in the uh in the right thigh a a bulging muscle because there was a, a type of herniation i mean you can tell by the gait And how like you said how she turns to look she turns her whole torso rather than just turning her you know her neck um because the head sits very low on the neck you know so yeah these are all things that you know it's been i guess you know tried to be debunked for many times and and as you were saying they recently in fact on the history channel they had a thing as the proof out there and they had some really compelling new video evidence and even dr jeff meldrum was amazed by the differences in the film quality. I mean, you got all excited watching it, you know?
0: <laughs> I think that's a great video. But then also, I I kind of think that it gets forgotten in the current consciousness that people are like, well, that was 50 years ago. Something else would have come up. But you sure. happen to get that one in a million. That's why it's one in a million shot. You know, that's the right. one in a million video. But then people, well, what was shot last week? What was shot last year? And there's been it's others. Tough.
1: There's been others. Paul Freeman has a video out also. That's, I feel you know legitimate and compelling he was a ranger out in Washington state you know there's the memorial day footage from New York state that's also fairly compelling but yeah most of the pictures are blurry <laughs> even the picture i took of one in british columbia was blurry so let's say, hear it.
0: let's let's hear the story what happened
1: well that was my second expedition the year after i did my first one in pennsylvania i went out to bc to the sunshine coast i was invited out to a, a expedition and i'll tell you what we had activity every day i mean from the first night i was there power knocks that sound like artillery fire power knocks meaning like they do wood knocks as a a way of communicating we had rocks thrown found track impressions you know it was just amazing the whole time i was out there it was beautiful but then on the final day it was sunday i was down in in the creek bottom and I was just doing my affirmations and meditating. I was sitting on a, a down tree. I had my digital camera in my left hand. And after I got done, I, I look up and I see a about 75 yards away. I see an auburn colored individual, just a head and shoulders behind some boulders and some branches. And I said, hmm, that wasn't there a moment ago. So I lifted up my camera and I zoomed in and I took a picture. And then I remembered somebody saying, Oh, if you turn around and take pictures behind your, your back. might get them standing up and walking away so i attempted that and of course all i got was bushes and when i turned back around it was gone so of course i wanted to kick myself for not looking at it more closely i thought i saw a second one actually higher up on the uh, hillside near a big spruce and i walked back up the uh, hill to base camp and it was just the other you know rob the organizer at the time and I took my SD card out and put it in his laptop. And I said, I think I saw a Sasquatch. And hes he checked the com- – oh, and I took a comparison photo also of, of just that area. And he looked at my uh, pictures and he says, yeah, I think you saw a, a Sasquatch. <laughs> was that the so first time you ever saw one? That was the first brief encounter, yeah.
0: Okay. How did that um, make you feel? Did you, like, accomplish a goal? Were you frightened? Were you
1: enlightened? As As – well, because, like I said, there was activity every night. We went to this one lake, he and I and another guy from from Washington, Seattle, Washington. And there was a alleged nine and a half foot tall, you know, alpha male at this location. And so we got set up before dark. You know, we mean got all our gear out and, you know, opened our snacks and stuff. And just as it was starting to get dark, first we hear a power knock. Then a tree gets pushed over. Then we hear another power knock. Then another tree gets pushed over. I'm thinking, yeah, here we go. It's gonna be my in my face encounter, you know? And then Neil turned on his camera equipment and went, and that was it, nothing after that. So, you know, when I was down in the creek bottom and I saw it, I didn't have fear. I had like the hairs on my arms stood up and I had a, a wave of calm come over me. So I wasn't feeling threatened because obviously it was up on the hillside. You know what I mean? So it wasn't right in my face if it, if it had been i might have been a little more frightened but yeah that that to me was just a calm feeling and i i i wasn't afraid at all unlike the year before though in pennsylvania when one came up to my tent in the early morning hours and crouched down took a deep breath and then pressed its hand in over my head
0: <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> that wow i wasn't expecting yeah that was yeah. the first encounter i had on the uh, first expedition so We had stayed an extra, an extra night. My friend Todd on, you know, from Ontario, he and I stayed an extra night in a campsite that actually had a thermal sighting two nights before. So he and I decided to stay on. And in the early morning hours after we had hiked all through the forest and had nothing, we get back to camp. And, you know, he says, well, go in your tent and hope for the best. And I kid you not, five minutes. Oh, and as I'm getting in my tent, he radioed me and said, hey, I just heard a scream come back out. So I go back out, we go down the the path, down to the swamp, we therm, nothing. And back to camp, he says, okay, say a prayer and hope for the best. So I said a prayer and I kid you not, five minutes after that, I hear thump, thump, thump coming from the berm, which separated our campsite from the forestry road. And uh, I could feel the footsteps as well as hear the approaching, you know, individual and the the sun wasn't. Up yet it was like 10 or 5 in the morning so the moon was still i think out but there was some illumination still and i could see this silhouette come around my tent i'm laying on my back it crouches down takes a deep breath and then that's when the hand started coming over my head like right over it i'm i'm, I'm seeing four fingers pressing through you know and my heart's pounding at this point <laughs> so i clicked my radio three times to get todd's attention nothing just then I hear an approaching vehicle coming down the forestry road and where our campsite was, was right at a 90 degree turn. So just before this vehicle would have ter- made that turn and illuminated this creature behind my tent, it stood up and tore through camp towards the woods over the firing. And you could hear it running bipedally, boom, 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 you know, not, not like an undulate or a deer, you know, running on four legs. And I clicked my radio three more times, nothing. I hear a moment later, like, sounded like equipment starting up down the the road. So I thought it was a forestry worker, you know, on the gas lines. And then just then Todd comes on the radio. Hey, you all right over there? I said, were you walking around outside my tent? He goes, no, I wasn't walking around outside your tent. So from the adrenaline, I think I passed out, like, right after that. And he told me 10 minutes later, it came back into the camp. And he had his therm his thermal imager on a monopad, and he unzipped his tent flap but he couldn't get the therm out and high enough because it came through the center of camp he couldn't get the the therm over the dome of his tent so he couldn't get any pictures of it you know and everybody's like why didn't you unzip your tent and hop out well by the time he did that it would have been gone you know right um and the we Monday both had digital, quarterbacks, like, exactly. you know, yeah, oh, of right. course you didn't, know, of course. Yeah. Well, we, we, we figured it out after that. We went back again. We had a dummy tent with a hole in the center. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> We both had digital recorders and neither one of us picked up any of the sounds of this thing running through camp or, or through into oh, the wow. woods. It's the, the we call it the Squatch curse. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: it. <a, laughs> but anyway, so, that was
1: my first experience. Then the BC was when I had my first visual sighting briefly. Yeah. That's a that's amazing.
0: the The camp story is amazing, but like at some point though, in the back of your head, even as all this is happening, because you didn't visually see it, yeah, you saw the shadow, you saw all this stuff. Are you still like rationalizing, like it has to be this, or it has to be something else? Like it's not really completely checking your goal, even though it's an, it's mm-hmm. amazing, but it's also right. like you, it could be something else. And then you know, you finally did see one, and like that completely, you know, I'm 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 not just I'm not diminishing not your first story. Yeah, right. I'm well, just, Todd, it's just, you always have to be like compromising though. Right. But like, Oh, oh someone sure. has to be wood knocking out there. Oh, it's kids out there. Oh, they hired somebody. Oh, somebody's whooping.
1: Well, that's where Todd comes in. He's my mentor and he had many more years than I had at that point of experience. And he always, you know, stressed the Occam's razor principle where you eliminate every other variable that potentially could be. Okay. Like even on our expedition that we were on, We had heard wood knocks too i it's a a funny story you want to hear it Yeah, yeah uh, yeah we're here for like i said we i'd gotten there a night before he had gotten there two nights before and had done a solo camping and then we both met up at the campground at the uh, at the camp store actually i was in there buying a a jacobs creature shirt because that's where this area was where rick and tom jacobs had captured what they felt was a juvenile sasquatch on trail camera okay so that's that was big news back then. It was kind of like our East Coast Patterson-Gimlin film, if you will, okay? And so I met Todd in the office, and we decided to put our tents near one another at the uh, at the base camp the first night. And then we went out, just the two of us and some other groups went out to do some stuff. Um, the next day, we were joined by Tom from Ohio. And so after the, you know, that was the first night, Thursday was your first official night. We went and found a campsite and then at the meeting that afternoon we discovered that chip and his crew from new york had actually had their eyes on that spot and they're like hey we we kind of had our digs there and so todd was gracious enough to pull up tent stakes and we moved to a different location which proved to be you know fruitless because there was a lot of bear sign in the area so typically when there's two apex predators near one another there's less likely a chance to have bigfoot around okay so we didn't have much on thursday night on friday though, we uh excuse me that that had to have been wednesday i'm, I'm a little calendar challenge you'll have to forget <laughs> that's days, fine okay? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but thursday night we we were uh at a location where we had our therm set up in front of my truck and we were just cooking our dinner you know preparing our meal and we saw a heat signature on the therm so Todd goes walking out. I'm looking through the therm and we had night vision and it disappeared. So he came back and we continued with our, our preparation and ate our meal. Then it showed back up again. And this time Tom goes out and he has on night vision goggles. Okay. And so he walks out and I'm on the radio, but I'm on the wrong channel. Okay. A newbie mistake. <laughs> I'm looking through the night vision. Todd's on the therm and, and Todd and Tom has his night vision goggles on. Okay. So, Tom's walking out and he gets out about, I don't know, 50, 75 yards. And this thing gets bigger. And so I'm I'm saying, it's on your right. It's on your right. But my radio was on the wrong channel, so he wasn't hearing me. And then Todd radios him and says, it's on your right. And it just stood up. <laughs> so Tom goes into a crouch position and, and you can see he pulls out a, a firearm, a handgun, which we don't. Typically, you know, bring on these things, okay? And he's he's like spinning around because he can't see where this this thing is because he's using night vision, not therm. And then we realize it's a deer, and Todd radios him and says, "Don't worry, (laughs) it's just a deer." And we see it walking off, you know. Yeah. Okay. So he comes walking back into camp, and we're cracking up at this point because you know you have that nervous tension where you're thinking something might happen, and you're relieved that it worked out okay. So we're we're kind of laughing, and he comes back into the camp says, "I don't think it's very funny." I don't think it's funny at all. I might think it's funny tomorrow, but right now I don't think it's very funny. And so that made me laugh even harder. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm pissing myself. So I'm feeling bad afterwards. And so I grabbed a roll of TP and I said, okay, it's my turn. I'm going to go out. (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't have anything. I didn't even, I had a red led headlight and I had, uh, my, uh, I don't know i had a like a child's baseball bat i think of that. no i didn't have a child's baseball bat at the time i'm sorry i i went out and i said it's my turn so i walk out i get about 100 yards maybe 150 yards out and i'm figuring they're gonna mess with me you know so i take a, a pee on a tree and then i move to the right and they're going and i didn't have my radio on me either and they're going there's something on your right like, huh? there's something on your right And so I pick up a stick off the ground and I see a a stump in front of me. So I beat this stump to death with the stick. And then from up on the hillside above me comes a single wood knock. And I'm like, whoa, I got a knock. But it's just a single knock. That means don't come any closer, right? That's what I'm thinking. So I turn and I say, I got a knock. I got a knock. So. At this point, I'm like, you know, almost 200 yards away from base camp. I I walk back into camp. They're doubting that I got a knock, right? So I had a digital recorder stuck in my pocket of my jacket, though. So I pull it out, and I rewound it, and I played it for him, and we got a knock. So that's pretty exciting, right? So, But Todd, being the Occam's Razor guy, he's like, well, we got to go and eliminate the possibility that there's somebody camping down the road. So we hiked down the road, you know, about a mile, mile and a half, wound up doing some back and forth volleys and got another knock. Okay. We also saw a bear, a mama bear with two cubs. um, And she came into our campsite later that night. So, yeah, we kind of eliminated the possibility that there was any other campers. So we were feeling pretty good that we got two knocks, you know, like, hey, let's not tell anybody at the meeting tomorrow morning about this because we don't want them all coming to this area, you know, and and, <laughs> and hanging out near us, right?
0: Yeah, preserve you know? your sanctity.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so at the, at the group meeting, though, we find out that Chip and his crew had a thermal hit at their campground. So this is, again, this is Friday night, apparently. So we're like, hey, that's cool. We got a couple of knocks. <laughs> at this point, it's not not a big deal. You know, the therm overrides the knocks, you know? Right. So uh, we're like, that's cool. So, and again, Todd and I decided to stay the extra night after everybody left. And that's when this happened with me at the campground in the early morning hours on Monday morning. And yeah, it definitely, to me, was probably one of the most terrifying experiences of Especially as a newbie, I had never really camped before. Being, you know, from New York, I mean, aside from us having bonfires out in the pine barrens as teenagers, you know, yeah. So, so then the next year, right, so- the next year is when I had my my road crossing. So we'll get into that. All right,
0: right. When, when uh, you're then. capturing them on thermal image. Mm-hmm. What is what is that showing? Are are you able Heat to signatures. gauge a height? Right. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get the thermals. Are you able to gauge height yeah. off of it, or or does it run? Is it running no. hotter than a human?
1: No. You know why it's really difficult to determine distance and height and things of that nature with a therm. That's okay. where night vision or other cameras might be better. Okay. Yeah. The therm basically takes the guesswork out of it. But it doesn't really give you enough as far as uh, scientific data, you know? And the reason I say that, because it's really hard to know where to stand if you go back to do a reenactment the following day, you know what I mean? Although, because of where they thermed this individual Friday night at Camp Chip, they were able to know which tree it was and how high the image was. So they could do a, you know what I mean? They didn't have recording capability on that, that thermo. Okay. So that was. The do they idea. have that now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we, oh, had, okay, it that, yeah. we had it oh, then, okay. too. Oh, okay. If we yeah, were yeah. at that campsite like we were supposed to be. <laughs> it yeah, might have been us. Had yeah. Do but they no, run my...
0: hotter than a human? Or you can't tell? It's just like red is like above nah. 100 or something?
1: You know what? I honestly think they look cooler than a the human. They are like a light gray as opposed to like hot white. You oh, know wow. I mean? Yeah. Because of the, the hair and the extra layer of fat that we feel that they have. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually took a picture of one up in New York, and it was in December. It was freezing cold, nine degrees that night, and you can see it, but it's it's very light gray, not like a person would look, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Let's get into some pine Barren stuff.
1: Okay. That's but, where my next sighting occurred. <laughs>
0: let's go. Let's let's <laughs> let's go.
1: It was St. Patty's Day in uh, 2010. The following year, that would be March, right? Yeah so i'm going out into the woods with a fellow research friend of mine she was a jersey devil enthusiast so i don't like being out at night by myself if i can avoid that so i'd rather have somebody i can run faster than <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so we go out to this bear swamp hill tower road and we set up a little base camp there it's kind of mis- misty out and cold and chilly and it wasn't really the best weather wise so about 12 40 i said hey let's wrap it up we hadn't had any activity so we're starting to head back towards Medford, and literally, we just crossed over 206. It's almost 10 after 1 in the morning, and just as we were approaching the sign that says, welcome to Medford, this individual runs from my passenger side out into the road right in front of me. I get all over my brakes. At the time, I'm in my Oldsmobile, okay, and hunched over, running on two legs, propelling itself faster with its arms. It was like three and a half feet over the hood of my car. Wow. And I I got on my brakes, my my passenger had a bottle of water between her legs, she slid forward, the water was sprayed all over her, and she says, what the F is that? I went, dear? She goes, no, it wasn't. And I yeah, I said, of course not, it didn't have a muzzle, it had no ears, no horns, no tail, the hair you could see flowing in the wind, the legs were as thick as my waist, you know what I mean? And just as it was in front of the, of the car, in the headlights, it kind of turned like Patty did, using its torso and i had this look like it knew it messed up like it was oh shoot you know right right (laughs) and and the trajectory it was running on it was quick it was like 35 miles an hour i'm not kidding the trajectory it was running on it would have gone through the next across the street neighbor's yard who happens to be my client their property borders the high tension pole lines that goes all the way back into wharton tract okay into the state forest and I've investigated other witness encounters back there, and the coloration was like a strawberry, blondish, auburn kind of color. And so, like I said, it puts it around six and a half, seven feet tall, based on my reenactment comparison. But yeah, the following night, the following night, somebody else was traveling down the same stretch of road, and they had the exact same thing happen to them. And then a year later, another woman was going in the opposite direction, home from work. And she had one run out in front of her at the same spot. So that's three encounters at this one location. So, you know, other people who I've told this story say, hey, you should just put a trail camera up there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I said so I was going to tell you about the uh, Piccadilly Inn. Yeah. So in January, I'm going to a, a concert in at Atlantic City with my buddy. So we're like, oh, we'll stop at the pick, We'll get something to eat. And we get a seat at the corner of the bar. So we're at the corner, there's two seats that you could sit, and then like everything else is open up. And the pick's like super packed and all this stuff. So these mm-hmm. two guys sit down next to us. I just give them like, you know, the gentleman head nod, and we're, you know, me and my buddy are BSing. and and you know, the other two guys, the one was a regular and the other one, I think it was his son or somebody who was a bit younger than him. Uh so the older guy, he was a regular. So he's like saying hi to all the bartenders and everything. And one of the bartenders, bar back, comes over and they're talking a little bit. And I hear somebody like pictures or whatever. So like my ears perk up a little bit. He's like, "Oh yeah, what the, show me, show me those pictures." Well, I mean, what, what pictures are happening? You know, I like pictures. So he guys, oh, I'll get my phone. I'll come back. So he comes back, and he's showing the guy and his son these pictures. And you know, I'm like elbow to elbow, like across from him. So I lean over a little bit. I'm like, hey, what do you guys got over there? And he shows me. He's like, "Hey, we picked these up on our trail cam last night." He's like, "There's wolves coming down from Maine that are you know, uh, I." And how big they are, but he said the trail cam was up to his hip, and so the head would have been above his hip. So there's these like gray wolves that aren't supposed to be down in the pine barrens, not supposed to be down this far. He's like, oh, we picked the, you know, we picked them up here. And then the next picture, I didn't get to ask him, and he was holding some type of cat, bobcats. He was holding it by the scruff of his neck and stretched out. I don't know how tall the guy was, so he's holding it by the scruff of his neck. The head of the cat is kind of near his head. He's holding it up, and its legs stretched out like halfway down his calf. A wow. giant cat that they he shot. He's like, oh, where's this at?" And he's like, "Right behind here." So, no kidding. Yeah. So I meant I have meant to go back to see if I could find that bartender, or also just say like, "Hey, you guys ever handed my Bigfoot
1: back here?" But I've met, I haven't made it back there yet. Oh, well, there was but a recent. Pictures, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but there's a recent photo that came from some off roaders and their jeeps. You know, these jeep clubs go out, and uh, they picked up something. On their camera that they weren't expecting you know so that was fairly recent one of my clients who you know frequents the pick she was on her way home and like 1 1 30 in the morning one night on 206 something ran out in front of her vehicle and she told me about that story and again that was back i guess 2011 in that time frame so yeah there's there's plenty of activity in that area in fact one of my new friends uh a recent attendee at Uh, previous expedition in the Pine Barrens that I'd conducted is, you know, we, we become friends with these people and it forms bonds that last a lifetime, so to speak. But yeah, my friend Jacob had an encounter. He's a herpetologist and was there with his friend Cooper. And uh, they had, they both saw something during the day right off of 206 north of the Piccadilly. So definitely an area that could sustain a, uh, a large, you know, as of yet undisclosed, Covered primate, you know, and as long as there's enough ground cover and food source and water source, I believe they, you know, they can exist there.
0: Yeah. So as I said in the beginning, I poo-pooed it a little bit, but then as I drive around more and, you know, we go out near like Batstow, it is just pure wilderness all through there and then up through Uh McGuire. Like in my mind, you know, it's probably a solid 30 miles from 206 to, you know, the parkway going up there. It's like, why can't something live in there? And especially if they're, you know, maybe they migrate depending on the season.
1: I don't think they migrate so much as they do have like a cycle of rotation where they're going to go to different areas, you know, but I don't think they necessarily like head south for the winter and different researchers have different opinions as to about this theory. Um, But obviously a creature that large is going to quickly go through resources in the area. And that's why I believe they're opportunists. Like the one that ran out in front of my car that night, it was coming out of a development literally down a, a trail that had chain link fence on both sides leading out from a development so it was probably taking advantage of food that's left out either by people for their pets or for wild animals you know what i mean people feed the birds or whatever and it was probably uh, dumpster diving or, or taking advantage of that so yeah they're they're really intelligent and they don't just you know come out and say hey, hey take my picture you know but um uh, I wish they did. I, I, almost, <laughs> I almost feel like it's a rite of passage. Like as juveniles, they're like, okay, you got to run out in front of this car and not get, you know, not get caught. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a dare, you know? Prove yourself. Yeah. But
0: what they, do you think they eat? What do you think their primary food sources? Anything they, carnivores? they
1: want. <laughs> they're omnivores. Yeah. They eat okay. some, some berries. They'll definitely take it. The, the fruits like we have growing here in the Pine Barrens, lots of or, you know orchards and farms growing crops. You know, they're treat foods, but they'll eat, you know, they'll eat deer liver. They'll eat, you know, lizards, snakes, frogs, turtles, bunny rabbits. I don't know. I I haven't seen many squirrels out in the forest lately, you know.
0: Yeah, maybe that's the, the season for them.
1: But they'll eat pretty much, you know, anything that they can, I would imagine. And including, you know, things that people leave out. And so, but you would figure they would need a lot of calories to sustain an, you know, creature that size.
0: Right. How many were in your experience in the Pine Barrens or on your adventures? are Do they travel in groups or they're like pods of them?
1: Like- yeah, they have family groups. Usually there's two to three traveling together at one time, although you may get a rogue adult, you know, like young adult male who's maybe left the, the family group and is now seeking to start his own you know what i mean but typically we feel they they travel in groups of two to three individuals so that's why you'll hear sometimes back and forth wood knocks or whoops to you know let the others in their group know about what i call us pink hairless primates in the area okay but uh yeah it's uh it's common that people report seeing them in in more than one at a time but again, it's it's usually very brief. You know, these sightings, most of them only take three to five seconds. That's how quick they happen. Often, somebody will run into one on a trail or whatever, and they'll be looking at them. And then maybe another one in their group will make a noise from the left, and we'll look over that way. And then when you turn back around, the one that you were looking at is gone in that brief moment. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about different uh, traits or or, you know, some things that Bigfoot possess as far as uh, different skills. You know, maybe they're from UFOs and they, you know, they beam down here from, from a spaceship or or they're intradimensional. I, I believe in the flesh and blood theory. I, I feel that they're, you know, flesh and blood creatures. I'm open to other possibilities. And on our, our podcast, we talk about different things as well, including the paranormal and uh other you know ufos and things like that but i have had now encounters where things that make you say hmm you know like like bright lights right off the trail from where i am with a couple of other researchers at 1 30 in the morning and like it's not a star it's not the moon it's not a trail runner and it's just there about 15 feet away from me about eight feet up in the ground and it just slowly goes down and then goes out and i'm like the heck was that you know so, I mean, there's been some strange things. We've had some paranormal experiences out on these expeditions at times. And, you know, some of these episodes are on my podcast um, where people can go check it out if they want.
0: That's fascinating. So I guess just recently I was open to the idea, and I don't know which way I lean, that Bigfoot and UFOs and, and these other paranormal things can be can be tied. I'm still trying to square that. You know, growing up, it was very I had separate boxes for everything. Like Loch Ness Monster was over here. Unfortunately, not a lot of great sightings for them. UFOs over here and Bigfoot. And, you know, now through either talking to people or hearing different podcasts now, you know, it seems there's, there is a lot of UFO activity and Bigfoot, maybe not Bigfoot walking off a UFO, but like seeing UFOs, seeing a light and then seeing Bigfoot very soon after or at the same time.
1: Sure. And I, you know, my response to that, because I actually, one of my customers is George Filer. He He was a director for the MUFON in this area. And he used to always come in asking about what I thought about that and telling me he's had witnesses report this type of activity. And I said, well, George, I think that Bigfoot are very curious creatures and just like humans would look up into the sky and be like, hmm, what is that? You know, same thing. They're going to they're going to be curious and they're going to observe things like that. And it's possible that if there's a human that's observing this phenomenon at the same time, they might associate the two together. I personally don't feel they're aliens, but again, we don't have enough evidence or data to suggest otherwise, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with my belief that they uh, they are a breeding relic hominid, as I said, and there's enough of a population to keep them in existence, unlike Loch Ness, of course, because obviously there would have to be more than one of these creatures in order for it to continue to thrive.
0: Yeah, that as I've gotten older and reflected on that, I think like that's gotten very disappointing for me. A lot, a lot of wasted childhood excitement on on Loch Ness Monster. Just don't, just don't think he's there.
1: <laughs> I tend I to agree so. with you. yeah hey, hey, it's a nice fantasy to talk. In fact, I did a uh, cryptid night hike on Saturday this past Saturday with Pineland's Adventures, and Andy, who's the director, he's from he's from he's a Brit, and uh, he was mentioning Loch Ness to the participants. And again, you know, it's uh, it's just one of these things. Every I mean, we have it here at Lake Champlain, Champagne, right? Champlain, I forget. Oh uh, yeah, the champ, um, the Champ,
0: yeah, you know, Champ the sea monster. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, there are many different lakes that have these, you know, alleged uh, sea monsters, right?
0: Yeah, you start getting an eel growing up to eight to ten feet, like that's definitely gonna be a sea monster.
1: That's a monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to be around it.
1: I'm taking these fifteen or so people out on this hike the other night. And so, you know, to give them their money's worth, I did a couple of wood knocks, did a couple of calls, right? At this one spot, I, I stopped, I pushed over a tree. That's like a kind of an intimidation type of technique, provocation. And then we started back down the trail towards, you know, back to camp, where we're going to do s'mores and stories. We get to the railroad tracks, the abandoned railroad tracks, and I'm like, oh, on my radio, my radio fell off the clip. So, Andy takes the uh, participants down the, the remaining part of the trail back to go to the campground. I have to now walk all the way back down to where my radio possibly is lost. <laughs> I, I told you, I don't like doing this at night by myself. You know, I do like have somebody with me, but I had no choice. Right. I mean, aside from coming back the next day and looking for it. So I did it. And you know what? It was great. It was actually like a freeing moment for me. You know, I was like, just hiking down the trail at night total darkness full moon was out though so with the full moon out it's pretty cool because it does it, it like with the sugar sand in new jersey you can basically hike at night with a full moon without a headlamp on and know where the trail is you know so it's funny when i got down to the area i pulled my other radio out of my bag thinking i'll call it and maybe i can hear where my radio is right and he comes on the radio hey mate are you are you all right? Did you find your radio? He's got this accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I got another radio. <laughs> I'm looking for mine. <laughs> so I did a I did an Ohio style howl from this. It's a it's a paleo dune. It's a little bit higher elevation. And so I figured I'd scare the participants by doing a an Ohio howl, right? <laughs> so I do the howl. Now I'm looking for my radio and I find it next to the tree I pushed over. Yep. And it's camouflaged radio, so it blended in really well. <laughs> so then I started hiking back, and I, I eventually got back and joined the group. But he's like, yeah, we heard you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you find there's more activity during a certain time of year, a certain time of the moon phase? Or is there anything nature-related
1: that's playing Absolutely. a part of Absolutely. The spring and the fall are definitely higher activity and you got to keep in mind in the cold of winter you know it's they're going to be less active although we've had activity we go out all year round and in the the heat of summer too i mean you talk about a creature who you know they're going to have to expend a lot of calories in order to go hunting or foraging you know and so they're going to they're going to probably be less active during that time of the year but um we've done some research comparing like my jersey expedition in june was during a new moon so it was like total darkness but the pa expedition i just did in uh end of september beginning of october that was during a full moon so we did have activity on both expeditions and it's hard to compare which has more you know what i mean the pennsylvania one according to some of my fellow researchers was just a magical expedition. You know, there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we had our fair share of stuff happen in Jersey as well. But again, Pennsylvania is like the third highest number of sightings on our database, the BFRO.net, the, the database where you can go on and check out these, uh, these sightings in your areas and around the world, basically. Um, Pennsylvania is number three. And Jersey has over, I think, 100 publicly listed okay um but we have thousands of reports that come in that aren't made public because they're either un you know reportable or they could be a potential hoax or you just can't get a hold of the witness you know what i mean so there's reasons why not all reports get published we're not it's, we're not getting paid for doing that you know what i mean this right right it's not our day job <laughs> so it's a lot of fun though speaking to witnesses i've spoken to hundreds of witnesses and i like to get out and and go to the site do a recreation take measurements you know speak to the witness in person so you can see the body language and the inflection and uh, i've had the good fortune on a couple of occasions to actually meet up with witnesses like the day after of their encounter. And that's when it's really unbelievable, you know, when you get to hear it fresh like that. But uh, I've also had people that I've spoken to that it happened 40 or 50 years ago. You know,
0: it's cool. Probably not something you forget easily. It probably flows back to them pretty quickly once you, when you have an incident like that.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Like After my road crossing in, in March of 2010, I was out on Thanksgiving morning, November 26th, I think it was, 2010. I was looking for tracks because it had snowed lightly overnight. And I got out to about where Apple Pie Hill is near that area and also the abandoned railroad tracks there uh, where the Blue Comet used to go through. I parked my old's on a trail and I hiked in a couple of miles to the tracks. And it's funny because I crossed over the railroad tracks and I I had to urinate. So I took a a pee on a tree and then I see this stump ahead of me and I had my child's baseball bat with me. So I decided to do some wood knocks, so like bang, bang, right? And from behind me on the right comes a growl so loud, it vibrated my right ear. And I turned and I went, another growl. I turned and went Wah. a second time. Rrr. And like, this is November 26th. The leaves are off the trees. It's a lot of pine Trees. Okay. The sheep's sorrel had lost most of its leaves. I'm not seeing where this growl is coming from. So at this point, I'm like, well, you're three miles from your car. And we got for defense is a child's baseball bat. I said, hello. How are you? I said, does this mean you don't want me here? I said, okay. I'm leaving. And I turned, I went up on the tracks. I turned back and waved, and I went down the other side, and I got on the trail that I came in on. I start heading back towards my vehicle. Occasionally, I'm glancing behind me to see if anything's following me. And I uh, I turned right to get back on the trail I came in on. I had to go through a little tight section of trail through this swampy area where there's like high bushes on both sides. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. This is where I'm going to get grabbed and pulled into the forest, right? I made it through there and then i see a, a trail a game trail going to my right through a, a grove of mountain laurel and i said oh they love mountain laurel i think they use it for like nursery areas to kind of keep the young safe while they're out foraging i take this game trail into the woods and it comes out on the clearing and in the freshly fallen snow i come across a line of tracks only about 11 and a half 12 inches you know the foot impression But in tightrope fashion, they don't walk like humans. They walk more in like tightrope fashion. And they had been snowed into. So you could see that there was toe impressions, but that the snow had continued snowing after they were made. They went across this clearing. And at the end, continued on another game trail. But there was an arch and there was an X, two trees crossing one another, and a tree broken off about five and a half feet off the ground. And I thought... Wow, this is a great place to put my trail camera. So, half hour after getting growled at, I had some apples on me and I had a can of uh, Alpo dog stew <laughs> in a can. So I put the can of stew in the top of the tree that's broken off, and I placed some apples around, and I set up my game camera. And then after that, I headed back to my car.
0: Did you ever catch anything on the camera?
1: No, nah, of course not. That was an old, okay. you know. Yeah flash kind you know I mean nowadays we use no glow and and it's still almost impossible to get anything you know they're they're so smart <laughs> I've gotten a couple of pictures on trail cameras but of course they're blurry you can't make out what they are you know when I got yeah, Mitch to Northeast Hedberg.
0: PA the comedian Mitch Hedberg used to have a joke uh, and it was like maybe Bigfoot's just blurry
1: <laughs> yeah like, well, yeah my joke is you know because I tell you it, it's it's really funny up in New York on the New York expedition, we had done two, one in October, one in November. That was in 2020. I co organized the one in November. I had placed about a half a dozen apple cider donuts in a tree across from my camera. And then I had apples, two apples in the tree that the camera was in, and a f- four or five more on the opposite side where the uh, donuts were. And then I had another trail camera back at base camp in the kitchen area. So I get home on Sunday afternoon from the expedition, and I realized I forgot my trail cameras. <laughs> Three hour drive, you know. It's so I said to my wife, easy. yeah, we were both off on Mondays, hey honey, wanna take a ride to New York? <laughs> so we drive back up to New York on Monday. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is great. Cameras are out an extra day, nobody's there. So I call Brian, my my brother from another mother, and uh, he meets us up at base camp, cause he lives like real real close. And him and Heather, my wife, are standing at the, at the horse corral talking. I go and retrieve the, uh, the camera and, you know, we hang out for a little while and then we head home. I can't wait to get the SD cards in my computer to check them out. The first one from the kitchen area just had deer on them. Nothing exciting. I'm thinking, not ah, this one that, you know, had on the trail where it, it splits off into like a Y. All the donuts were gone. All the apples were gone except the two apples that were in the tree that the camera was placed on. Okay, and I'm thinking, oh, I got the best footage ever. Okay, I get the SD card in. There's nothing on the SD card. Not even me setting up the camera. It's a good camera. I'm like, the hell. I'm thinking, what did I do? My gut felt like I got kicked in the gut. And I realized they probably took the SD card. They looked at the pictures. They said, this one's blurry. This one's blurry. <laughs> this one's blurry. This one's not blurry. We got to get rid of all these. And they yeah. deleted them all off my card and put it back in. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I, I think, think that's, that's what, what happened. Yeah. Do you think they
0: can <laughs> feel the the electromagnetic field around these things?
1: Uh, you know, there's people who have that opinion that they can see the IR, the infrared light that cameras use to take night vision shots or that they can sense the the the, the whine of the the you know, the thing heating up or whatever the element inside some people feel they can smell like a formaldehyde smell from, I don't know. And then there's people that just claim, well, they know the forest at the back of their hand. So if you set up a camera, they're just going to know it's there. Well, I don't necessarily agree because there's so much, so many trees and so many different things we've placed, you know, we have cameras in different things that are concealed. I've got a, a long duration recorder where I put my, uh, My digital recorder inside and it has specialized mics and it's camouflaged. You can hang it in a tree. They would never see that. You know what I mean? So, uh, and I've had it tapped on, you know, (laughs) there's some strange things that have happened. But yeah, there's different viewpoints on that. I don't know. I just think these cameras are useless. But, you know, you get to see what other wildlife is in the area. And if you're doing a long-term study of an area, you can see if animals that normally are showing up aren't there for a week or two that could indicate that there's a predator in the area at that time of the year you know what i mean so there are some different ways they can be used i just don't feel they're useful to gather data you know pictures
0: yeah have you heard any the park rangers at wharton state forest ever tell you any stories of them seeing things or hearing things or
1: yeah they're pretty tight-lipped at wharton Uh, i've spoken to other rangers though that have just it just seems like new jersey they they do make it a point to be closed mouth and they'll usually say it's bare like over a lair state forest there was a cyclist who who saw a gorilla sitting on a On a down tree one morning, so I went right up there after I heard about it, recent after the sighting, and I asked the rangers, and they're like, "Oh no, that was just a bear," you know. I said, "Well, can I talk to somebody who, you know, spoke to the witness, or can you give me the witness's name and information?" They're like, "Oh, it's just a bear. You have to call the police," you know. I said, "Okay," so. (laughs) But we found trackways atelier, you know, so. There's a lot of different signs that are out there i mentioned the tree manipulations those are what we consider indications of maybe uh you know territorial markers or or warning signs to other bigfoots coming through the area but yeah it's just there's just not enough that we know about these individuals yet to conclusively say that this is what it is i i've had two anthropologists on my last two expeditions this prior one in Pennsylvania, I actually had an eDNA scientist on board with access to a lab in Maryland. So now I have some legitimate scientific individuals that I can uh, send data to or, you know, samples to and have them checked, which is pretty awesome. What kind of samples oh. have you found on your tours? Oh, I We just had some, we just had some, uh, I found some tracks a couple of weeks ago in the Pine Barrens oh. and I took my friend and research buddy Art out We did a night op at the location and the pond had drained even more. And there was two more tracks in the area that had drained. I actually took a collection of some water out of one of the tracks. So that's one sample. I've had hair samples provided me. I've got sticks that were touched. I have the rock that was thrown at me in B.C. Of course, that's really old at this point. That would be useless. But but now I have some uh, means to get things checked out. So, yeah, I'm excited. The yeah. hair that I had analyzed was of unknown origin. That was done by the state police. <laughs>
0: that's what we want, though. This is it. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's known. I'm telling you. And you see these tracks behind me here next to Squatchy? Those yeah. were taken in the Pine Barrens after World oh, wow, the cast first yeah. expedition, the track cast. Yeah. And then uh, I've got the other ones on this side, which are from California and uh, Washington State. A couple of them are from my friend, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who's uh, one of the leading anthropologists that, you know, does this type of research and study. So, hey, I'm not trying to prove it to anybody. You know what I mean? I'm having a good time. I enjoy taking people out into the forest and teaching them about these creatures and, and showing them how to go about doing this research. And hopefully... They'll continue to take what they learned and and go and do it in their neck of the woods.
0: Yeah. Why do you think New Jersey is so tight-lipped? Why do you think the Rangers, or do you think it's like a, a
1: top-down direction? Uh, it's bureaucratic, I think mostly. I mean, Jersey's even tough to go camping. I mean, you can't just pop a tent up on the side of the road like you can in Pennsylvania and New York. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's so regimented and and like they got to get a a fee for everything. And plus. Keep in mind, what would the knowledge of these creatures do to the, the park service industry or the wood, paper pulp industry? You know, the, there's just so many reasons, just like with the spotted owl, that the officials don't want us to know about them. You know what I mean?
0: Right. That's, so. There's a Tasmanian tiger in Australia. It's right. supposed to be extinct. They're supposed to be bringing it back. But there's some decent trail cam footage that comes out every once in a while that it's apparently still around. And But, you know, very few numbers and all this stuff. And sure. then the officials, there, like, no, this isn't true. This isn't true. Yeah. So as you're bringing up with like the, the paper industry and things like that, I think that has a lot to do with it. That if you admit to these endangered species, you now have to shut down everything that's happening in that area. Like there's no more logging sure. in Washington state. There's no more... You know, you're not cutting new roads. You, now you have to watch out for the air base and like what kind of fumes they're giving off and things like this, because, oh, sure. this was Bigfoot's territory to begin with. And now we have to protect all of it. And yeah. the pick is closed on Mondays and things like that. Like, oh, I need to go to the pick on Mondays. What are you people doing? But yeah. I don't think yeah. they need
1: our protection ne- necessary. Like some people are, are say they do this type of research because they want to get them protected. You know what I mean? And enact laws where they can't be hunted or whatever. I think they've done pretty good on their own all these years. You know what I mean? So I'm not necessarily, like I said, trying to prove it or protect them. I just enjoy doing the research and learning more about them. Just like I, you know, going out and learning about snakes or birds or whatever else is out there. I just enjoy being out in nature, you know.
0: But you know, <laughs> if New Jersey could charge you 50 bucks to go out Bigfoot hunting, Bigfoot sighting, they would do that in a heartbeat to charge you a permit.
1: And that's the funny thing. We had a ranger come into this A type 2 inspection, we call that. I had a ranger come into the base camp at PA. We typically say the Spinner Family Reunion. That's what, why we're there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the attendees who should have known better, Brian, <laughs> tells him, Oh, you gotta go talk to Eric, you know. <laughs> yeah. So he comes down to my end of the of the uh, campground. I walk out with my hot dog in my hand and my BFRO hat on and and hey, how you doing? He's like, Oh, what's going on? I said, I was told to ask for Eric. That's yeah, that's me. He says, uh What's happened? I said, I oh, was just having the Spinner family reunion. He goes, with the BFRO. <laughs> 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 but he was cool about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was telling me who I who I should contact at the camp, at the at the ranger office to to check into a permit in the future, you know. I'm like, hey, with the amount of people I bring on my expeditions, it wouldn't be worth it for you guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I keep them small. I don't like that too many people traipsing around, you know, out in the forest. Right.
0: Responsible for them, they're gonna go off. You have to go get them. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so, that's it, it the cool be a thing lot. though about like I said, I had a passion that I turned into something that now I actually get paid by the BFRO as an organizer to take people out into the forest, and uh and that pays for my gear, it pays for the gas and the camping and stuff. But I I give it all back. You know, I rent the campgrounds. I I bring lots of food. We cook for the troops. You know what I mean? So I'm not making anything on these on yeah. these things, but but it's fun. You know, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: Are you interested in in other cryptids? Have you seen anything else out there or anything that's not explainable?
1: Well, I'm interested. I don't do a lot of research into other things. Like I'm not a JD fan. I think that's folklore. That's been perpetuated by Bigfoot out in the forest of the Pine Barrens. But uh, in Pennsylvania, Todd and I were on that hike I mentioned where we were out also during the daytime getting an eyes on the area. We saw what potentially could have been a Thunderbird. And there's been reports of that, you know, in America. Yeah, I'm I'm really not looking forward to meeting a dog man or a Wendigo or a skinwalker or anything. That that doesn't appeal to me too much, you know what I mean? (laughs) I've had UFO encounters. I've had I've seen two UFOs uh, at the well, two at one time. (laughs) And then (laughs) your bald like you saw too. (laughs) Yeah, that I can't explain. Yeah, so the UFOs were
0: were they classic saucer-shaped or It was was a little more
1: hexagonal in the front and rounder in the back, about a thousand feet up, one in front of the other, like a charcoal gray color. And on the bottom was a round reddish orange disc that just pulsed. Boom, boom, boom. And no sound. One in front of the other, about, you know, right above us. And my neighbor who I was with, I looked up and I said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And he said, (laughs) yep. And then that was at my other house down the street. And so then it was another time I was going back to check the pool and five white triangles flew right overhead. I was with my Jack Russell terrorist and we were coming back in through the trellis that separates the pool yard from the the other English garden part of the yard. And literally I ducked because it went right over like the house and it it just seemed like it was right over my head, you know? I ran to the front of the house to see if I could see him across the street over the park and uh, nothing. So I'm coming back down the driveway. And again, they came back over the house and then turned and went left and up into the air silently, in formation, v formation. And I ran into the house getting all excited, thinking, Oh, I'm gonna go look this up online because it was, you know, around 95, 96, thinking, oh, there'll be an internet. Well, oh, there wouldn't be any sightings because I just saw it. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's the classic triangular shape, you know, sighting of a of a UFO. And again, silent. So who knows? But yeah, there's been some reports of the
0: the big black triangles over the pine mm-hmm. barrens. Yep, Um, have been going. I have not seen those. I did see uh, this is probably the summer of seventeen, maybe like August twenty seventeen, and mm-hmm. it was probably six p.m. during you know evening. Twice, you know, it was still bright. It's daylight, but there was a light in the sky. You know, it was, it was too bright for a star. It wasn't moving at all. It just stayed there and it was lower it was lower than a celestial object know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a plane was moving and i stared at it for about 45 minutes and in that 45 minutes it maybe moved 10 feet yeah and just well, sat up there and stayed there
1: we've seen things out in the field when we're doing bigfoot research where i mean i've had them fly over and go off in different directions and stuff and fly erratically one night there was one i was looking up and it was like a flash bulb went off right above you know like wow and then another one was behind and another flash bulb went off like an old flash from a camera back in the day yeah and I thought wow and that was right after we had uh, recorded some of the best coyote howls that we ever heard this huge pack of coyotes so hey just fun to be out in the forest at night especially out by moonlight you know
0: there's tons of stuff out there i really think that as a proper disclosure I don't know how my disclosure to look like, you know, in 2017, New York Times came out and said, you know, there's UFOs and they had the game ball videos and all this stuff. But it also seems like people still aren't fully on board that there's UFOs, even though there's been congressional hearings, and all this stuff. But I do feel that as more of this becomes mainstream and accepted and whatever the next round of disclosure is, as we keep going, I think that's going to unlock more of the, the Bigfoot files, the Dogman files. You know the Chubacabra files, whatever it might be. That like as this comes out and they see that people, I really think like in the in the Twitter universe everybody lives in. Like if it happened five minutes ago, it's not even news anymore. Like I I do not care. Like something else is happening right now that I need to pay attention to. And like oh totally, you, you know, people's so attention that,
1: spans are just so limited nowadays.
0: Right, but just figure out how much money is wasted in government cover up if they have to if they do recover a Bigfoot body and maybe they have to move it or if they whatever it might be. And then they just like, hey, here's all the stuff. And they'll see that people don't care in 10 minutes, except for the people that always knew for the most part. Yeah, and It's not going to change anything. But I think it's going to, you're going to see more coming in with that.
1: I've heard stories, you know, I've heard stories from officials in other states as well. And there's been reported Bigfoot bodies recovered after fires and
0: you know, the uh, Mount, Mount St. St. Helens explosion. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and, and I've also spoken to one witness who, who described walking at the Pentagon and uh, walking past a door that said Bigfoot Research on it. Um, wow! All right. Yeah. So there are stories out there, and of course the UFO stuff they've been releasing in the recent years. I think that's been mainly to distract us from what's not going on. You know what they're what they're not getting done in DC. You know yeah, what I mean? this but, is all sleight like, of hand. Yeah, and again, this is weird, wild, weird, right? Your, yep. Wild, your you're the
0: sometimes normal part in all this. Imagine that.
1: I was thinking I, I was considering myself the, the, the wild and weird portion, yeah. actually. Yeah. One of us is normal
0: here. We'll see. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. We come everything. I over myself,
1: here. I myself <laughs> am wild and weird.
0: <laughs> so, you brought up, you said that we're the pink hairless monkeys, right? Primates, primates. Yeah. Primates, right. So, one thing that I always, I forget where I heard this or I was listening to, but I always find it fascinating that we are the only species humans, that a monkey's born, it has its mother, but like, it doesn't need a house. It doesn't need heating. It doesn't need clothing. like It, it can fend for itself. But mm-hmm. humans are the only species that like, you need help Delta. and conditions and and all this other stuff to survive, where rabbits are just out there and things like that. So I, I really think it's interesting, our development through history, uh, the change in the planet that's happened throughout history and what and might, might have been prior to recent times that enabled humans to thrive and survive.
1: Yeah. No, I, th- I definitely think that we've evolved from what we believe are early humans walking around bipedally, you know, still covered in hair, like uh, Gigantopithecus was a primate back in prehistoric times. And, and of course, then there is Heidelbergensis is one that I think is potentially, you know, ancestor of Bigfoots. Okay. So again, there's there's different possibilities.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited for what the future holds. I love hearing, I just love hearing the different stories. You know, in Vietnam, there was there was talks during the war that people would see these Sasquatch like things, like like going through, and you know, and they thought they were possibly the enemy, and then like getting all confused on mm-hmm. what they were fighting at that time. Like, oh, ignore those things, not worry about that. Focus on on the war over here. You see things in Afghanistan. You hear about like it's it's just fascinating. The world's a fascinating place. Totally. Yeah. What is your hope for the future for Bigfoot? I guess. What is your hope and what is your expectation?
1: I I hope that you know one day they'll be uh you know made real as far as the the myth will be over and we'll know for sure that they exist. But again, I'm not I'm not the one who I I feel necessarily wants to be the one who who says where they are because I don't want a bunch of wahoo's going out there with guns trying to shoot them. You know what I mean? But you know, I think it's going to happen eventually, especially with, with everybody out there nowadays looking for them. You know if it's me great if not that's cool yeah i definitely think that we're going to find out something very soon
0: yeah i hope so i really hope so i hope your research guys the the laboratory guys can help you out and you know if they're on board coming out on you know you know your expeditions that means at least they're on board to find the truth and
1: they're open to sending
0: it. it off right to the smithsonian institute and they come back oh it's just a squirrel and there they are filing it away with everything else that they don't so, give to us yeah yeah Eric, I appreciate your time. Do you have any other paths you want to go down? I don't know. I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We covered all the bases.
1: Yeah. We always want to
0: leave the people wanting more. Absolutely. I I got more
1: stories. So, I mean, you know, we just barely touched on some of the experiences, but uh, they can certainly go and check out things on my podcast as well. Squatch Talks with an S, Squatch Talks podcast. You can watch us on YouTube it's video or you can listen to us on spotify iheart apple tunes all that good stuff but yeah we have a uh, bfro.net if you want to report a sighting nasbro n-a-s-b-r-o nasbro.net is another website i have and uh, we're on facebook at north american sasquatch researchers organization and of course we have squatch talks podcast on facebook twitter and instagram so hey send us a like give us a give us a look if you're so inclined And uh, hopefully, uh, you'll come back for more.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And if you're in the Burlington County area, stop by Health Haven.
1: Two. Health Haven 2 in Medford. Yes. Healthhaven2.com. I appreciate you having me on, Brian. And uh, stop in and see me sometime. I'll show you my my little Bigfoot museum I got going on. I
0: definitely have to check out the museum, man. I'm going to be in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You have a good night, and I'll catch up with you.
1: Thanks for squatching.
0: (laughs) All right. I love it. Take care. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guest. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.